0: Well, as you can see, we had a great Easter and I am so thankful for all the people that were working behind the scenes to pull that off. Just a a great, great day. And I got to tell you, this is some weird times we're living in. You know, I'm here in a pretty much empty room and uh, things are just different. You're home, uh, checking out things. Some of our people are over at the Tiffin Drive-In and just everything is different and and my question for you is: How's this whole social distancing thing going for you? I need—I mean, know some of you are like, "Hey, there's no difference. I'm still working, and I may be busier than I've ever been before." And others are like, "Wow, I am cut off. I—I'm—I'm I'm depressed. I'm tired of this. I, I'm frustrated. I can't see my parents, or I can't see my grandkids, or I can't see my friends or my coworkers. You know, I can't work." I'm I'm becoming insecure financially. Uh, It's just really bothering me. How is it affecting you? That's my question. Well, we need to put this in context. And in the Bible, people, Christians were going through a lot of tough times, awkward times like this, and a lot harder times. And so sometimes it's great for us to dive in and see what's happening in people's lives in the pages of scripture and how they deal with that and what that teaches us and that's what we're going to do today and i want to start with paul paul was a person i mentioned him last sunday that didn't believe in the resurrection at first then later became convinced of the resurrection before that he was actually persecuting the church but then he He became convinced of the resurrection, actually Jesus appeared to him, and then his life drastically and radically changed. He became a Christ follower, he became a missionary. He started sharing Christ with other people in the Middle East and Palestine and all these areas. And then there was at one point in his ministry, he actually crossed over into Europe and established the first church in Europe in a town called Philippi. And uh, and what happened when he when he went to Philippi, he was there. He had some people with him, Silas and some others. And while he was in town, he it was Sabbath day, so he left the city, stepped outside the gates of the town to find a quiet place to pray on the Sabbath. While he and his friends were doing that, they noticed a group of women who are doing the same thing, Jewish women, praying on the Sabbath day, outside the city walls. Well, he goes over and meets them, he actually starts teaching them, and he basically explains to them how, hey, you understand the Jewish law, you understand what the law says, that that how we ought to be, but yet none of us can keep the law, we've all violated the law, we've all messed up. And that's creating a problem. And because of that, God says, a just God says, we have to be punished. And the punishment, he's telling these ladies, is separation from God forever in hell. And that's the just punishment for our sin. And as he explains that, he says, but there's good news. And the good news is that God sent his own son, Jesus, who came to earth and actually died on the cross, allowed himself to be tortured to death so that we can have a way to be saved from the destiny that we all deserve, which is separation from God. Well, as he explained that gospel, uh, some of the women believe the one we know about by name is Lydia. A lady named Lydia who's a, a successful Businesswoman who lives in Philippi, she meets Paul, she believes what he's saying, she believes that good news, the gospel, and she becomes a believer and invites this new church that Paul is launching into her home. Like I say, she's successful. She has a home that has plenty of room and that's where the church begins. At the same time, Paul is uh, in Philippi and he's ministering throughout the city And while he's doing that, there's a slave girl in the city that's demon-possessed. And she starts following Paul and Silas everywhere they go. She was actually a slave that made her owners a lot of money by fortune-telling. But she follows Paul and Silas and she continuously keeps yelling, kind of manically, she's yelling, these are servants of the most high God and they're telling you how to be saved. These are servants of the most high God and they're telling you how to be saved. These guys are servants of the one true God and they're telling you the way of salvation. And after days of this, Paul, he goes up to this slave girl and he casts the demon out of her. Well, when that happens, she's no longer, she she doesn't do the fortune telling any longer. That makes her owners mad. Her owners are mad at Paul. So they get a mob together. They grab Paul and Silas and they take him to the city magistrates. And then while they're there, they are beaten by the city officials and then they are thrown into jail. And even though that was illegal at the time, but they throw him into jail. And and so this was a time when Paul could have kind of been bummed out or been in despair or gotten depressed. But instead, he's in jail praising God. He's thankful for God. He's explaining the gospel to people. He's still on mission even though he's chained, not just in jail, but in the inner cell, like in the dungeon of the jail. And, and the prisoners and even the jailer, they're hearing all this praising of God. Well, in the middle of the night, an earthquake happens. That causes all the prisoners' chains to be unfastened. Doors come off their hinges. And the jailer's there, and he sees that, and he realizes that he has no way of keeping all these prisoners from escaping. So what he does actually is he grabs his sword and he gets ready to kill himself because he would go through worse when you lose a prisoner and it looks like he may lose all of his prisoners. So he pulls his sword in order to kill himself, but Paul, rather than leave, he sees what the jailer's doing and he cries out, stop, don't hurt yourself. We're all still here. Man, after that, The jailer had seen enough. He comes to Paul and he says, what must I do to be saved? And Paul tells him, believe, believe on Jesus Christ. And that's exactly what the jailer does. The jailer actually ends up taking Paul home that night. And then he he bandages Paul's up, kind of treats his wounds. And while he's doing that, Paul meets the whole family. And he shares this good news, this way of salvation through Jesus with the whole family. They all end up believing. And as a matter of fact, that night they all get baptized. The next morning, the officials from the city come out and they decide they're going to release Paul. They go to the jail. He's not there. They go to the jailer's house, which might have been attached. And uh, they talk to the jailer and they're like, hey, you can release Paul. You know, we're we're done with these guys. Let him out. So the jailers think, well, that's good news. So he tells Paul, hey, you guys are free to go. And Paul says something they didn't expect, not so fast. And the jailers are like, what do you mean not so fast? Paul says, hey, they illegally beat me and I am a Roman citizen. They beat me without giving me a trial, that's illegal. Now what's going on in Philippi is even though it's a Roman colony, a Roman city, most of the people that lived there were not Roman citizens. That was a higher status that was kind of hard to get. Paul happened to be a Roman citizen. And when the city officials, when the jailer tells city officials, well, they're alarmed. They're freaked. They're like, whoa, okay, we messed up. We had no idea. So they change their tone and they say, hey, Mr. Paul, you know, would, would you... Would it be okay if you would just kind of leave us to ourselves and not hold this against us kind of a deal? And then Paul says, you know, yeah, I'm going to move on. But then he leaves and before he leaves, he goes by Lydia's house and stops by and visits the church. Now, now here's what's interesting. When we think of that first church in Europe, this church in Philippi, because we know uh, in, in the way this all plays out, that there's three people that we can identify that are the first people in that church. What's interesting about that is in the first century, all Jewish men prayed this one prayer, prayer of three blessings, I think they called it. And this prayer would be God, thank you that I'm not a Gentile or a slave. Or a woman, you know, not the kind of prayer you'd hear today. And they would pray that every single day. Well, here we have Jesus establishing his church through Paul. And who are the first three people that we know about that attend this first church in Europe? A Gentile jailer, a businesswoman, and a slave girl. And with those people and others, the church is launched in Philippi. Now, Years later, Paul moves on, he does other missionary trips, and he ends up in prison in Rome. He's actually under house arrest, awaiting his trial, but he is chained to a Roman Praetorian guard 24-7. They just take turns and shifts. He's always chained to a guard. And during this hard time, while he's under arrest, the church in Philippi, they hear that Paul is... In, under arrest in Rome, and so they actually send him some resources, some help to help get him through this time so he doesn't die, and they, they do all that, and it's during this time while, while Paul is chained to a guard that he writes a letter back to this church that he started in Philippi, and when he writes this letter, he's telling them That even in hard times, even in isolation, we can grow. We can grow in Christ. We can grow in our relationship with God and we can grow in confidence. And here's how he starts it out, Philippians 1, and I want to begin with verse 3. He says, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you Always offering prayer with joy in my every prayer for you all in view of your participation in the gospel from the first day until now. For I am confident of this very thing that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. For it is only right for me to feel this way about you all because I have You in my heart, since both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, you all are partakers of grace with me. Now, here in the first chapter of the book of Philippians, as Paul writes this letter to them, he's telling them, hey, even in difficult times, even in times of isolation you can grow. And one of the ways we can grow is we can grow specifically in confidence in God. We can grow in confidence and we can grow in confidence by remembering these three truths. And we find these three truths scattered through chapter one of Philippians. And basically this works for us. We can also grow in our confidence, grow in our faith, grow in confidence in God while we're isolated or while we're going through difficult times or awkward times or weird times by remembering three truths. And here's the thing you already know two of these truths, but I want to give you these three truths. Truth number one you already know this bad things happen. That's what Paul's saying here. Bad things happen. In life, even for believers, bad things happen. And he's saying this, bad things happen to Paul. I mean, he's in prison while he's writing the letter. But not only that, we know from other passages of the New Testament that Paul actually had uh, suffered 39 lashes, 40 kind of was the max, and 39 lashes, he went through that five different times, received 39 lashes. Paul was beaten three different times with rods. One of those times was while he was in Philippi. Not only that, Paul once was stoned by a mob and left for dead, but he didn't die. During his journeys, uh, Paul suffered three different shipwrecks. Uh, Paul was jailed several times. And get this, it's not only that all those bad things were happening, it was also Paul while he was suffering these things and while he's writing these letters in Rome, chained to a guard, he's also being criticized by Christians. So if everything else wasn't bad enough, he's being criticized by other believers. And and let me just tell you this, believer, if you do anything worthwhile for God, you will be criticized and you'll probably be criticized by Christians. You don't do things without criticism. Keep going forward. So Paul's just saying, hey, bad things happen. Bad things happen to me. And we also notice bad things happen to the people of Philippi. Philippi, remember, it's a Roman colony. It's a Roman city. That means it had Roman religion. Now, Roman religion said, hey, you can worship any God you want as long as you do two things. One as long as you don't say your God is the only God, you worship any God you want. And two, as long as when you're worshiping your God, you also worship the emperor of Rome. All right, well, this is a huge problem for believers because believers couldn't do either one of those things. They, believers knew God is the one true God and believers know we should not worship anyone else. So Christians and these Christians in Philippi would have been considered lawbreakers. They would have been considered bad citizens. But but I want you to notice something. Back in the story when Paul was beaten in Philippi as he's launching this church, did you notice something weird about the story? He doesn't tell the officials that he's a Roman citizen until after he receives a beating. I think if that was you or me, we'd be telling them right off the bat, hey, whoa, whoa. Before you get those rods out, just know I'm a Roman citizen. Paul doesn't do that. And so we can only speculate as to why that is. And I think I know for a couple of reasons. Paul knew that he was going to be moving on in his missionary journey to other points in Europe. And Paul knew that these new Christians in Philippi would be suffering persecution just like he had. So he knew that was going to happen. But Paul was different. Paul had Roman citizenship that most believers, even in a city like Philippi, which is a Roman city, would not have. He had special protection. But yet, when people came to Christ, they gathered together as a church and they considered each other one family, just like we do here at Grace. So what'd Paul do? I believe Paul intentionally allowed himself to take the beating because he knew that's what would happen with them and he wanted to let them know bad things happen you will even suffer but it's okay don't let that surprise you and I think another reason that he may have done it is because he knew when he left this church they were going to be persecuted. Some people wouldn't like him. They'd be going through the same things. And maybe he did that. So these city officials, they would start thinking, whoa, be careful with the people over at Lydia's house. I mean, those Christian people, I mean, you could beat one of them and then they'll tell you they're a Roman citizen after you beat them. So maybe he did it just to give those city officials pause before they started persecuting the church. So bad things happen to Paul, bad things happen to, uh, to the people of Philippi, and we know bad things happen to us. I mean, don't be surprised, Christian, when bad things happen. Bad things happen. We already know that as believers, that shouldn't surprise us because God has not promised us an easy life when we become a follower of him. He hasn't promised us that. Here's what he has promised us. He's promised us that he will never leave us or forsake us. He's promised us that he will give us everything we need. Maybe not everything we want, but he will give us everything we need to walk through any circumstance, any problem, any hardship, any persecution, If we walk with him, that's what he's promised us. And now here's the thing. It's like it's so easy for us today to get so preoccupied with with what's going on. So it's social distancing now and it's so easy. And again, doesn't affect everybody, but I think a lot of people, but you're just, that's all you think about. Man, when's things gonna get back to normal and how has this affected me? And I don't like this situation. This situation is not to my benefit, you know. or maybe it is to my benefit, and, and, and you're just totally preoccupied. Paul didn't get all wrapped up into how everything was affecting him. Paul saw all these different circumstances as opportunities opportunities to be on mission opportunities to fulfill the purpose of every believer I want to continue in Philippians chapter 1 beginning with verse 12 it says this now I want you to know brethren that my circumstances have turned out for the greater progress of the gospel so that my imprisonment in the cause of Christ has become well-known throughout the whole praetorian guard and everyone else, and that most of the brethren, trusting in the Lord because of my imprisonment, have far more courage to speak the word of God without fear. What Paul's saying, hey, it's, bad things happen. Get used to it. He's telling us, but I can be on mission. So first thing... Truth, first of the three, we already know it, bad things happen. The second truth comes in, how Paul responds. And here's how re- Paul responds. We see it in verse 18. But before we get there, he starts off with two words. It says, uh, it says what then? And we, it, these are two little Greek words, that that can be translated what then, or okay, or so what? What do he say? Hey, bad things happen. Paul, here's his response. So what? I mean, it's an amazing response. He's chained to a Roman guard. He's been beaten. He's been shipwrecked. He's been stoned. So what? He's saying. And then Paul doesn't stop there. Look at verse 18. He says, what then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed. And in this, I rejoice. Yes, I will rejoice, he says. Do you catch his attitude? Bad things happen, first truth. But here's the second truth. So what? I will rejoice. Why is he rejoicing? He's rejoicing because he's saying, even in this awkward, bad, or suffering time, God's kingdom is advanced. I can still be on mission. God still has something for me to do. I will rejoice when the name of Christ is proclaimed. Paul doesn't let tough times rob him of his joy. And not only does Paul rejoice, Paul's telling us, hey, you Philippians, you should rejoice too. Even when you go through Hard times. And, and no doubt they were. First of all, they're worried about Paul. Paul's writing them back and saying, hey, I'm in, in jail, you're worried about me. Hey, I'm in jail, I'm chained to a guard, I'm awaiting trial. So what? I will rejoice. And Paul's also telling us that should be our attitude as well. We should rejoice. Sometimes, you know, I wonder, if Paul were here today and here we're going through this uh, social distancing, you know, not a, a huge thing. And it's messing with the economy and people's jobs and all this stuff. And that may be even a bigger thing. But I wonder if he'd be embarrassed about our complaining or our whining about what's going on. Hey, Paul's saying, hey, bad things happen. So what? I will rejoice. You know what Paul does? He's doing what we should do, that we should look at every situation, every circumstance, and we should recognize, hey, God has allowed this to happen. What does God want me to do in this time? You know, what does God want me to accomplish? What can I do for God? How can I grow in my relationship with God? It's the same in my life. Right now, I live in, in a really nice house on three acres with a little creek in the back, it's great. Other times in my life, I remember once for a short time in my life, I lived in the back of a Datsun pickup in the panhandle of Texas. No phone, no TV, no electricity, no anything. And you know what I discovered? That even then, with no distractions, was a time that was beneficial to me spiritually. It helped me grow closer to God. I was there going, this isn't that bad. I'm not saying I've always done that, I'm saying that's how we can all be, joy despite our circumstances. And then why? This is the third point. Why rejoice? How do we rejoice? How can that be? Why can we rejoice? Third truth, and you already know this one, because God is good all the time. We can rejoice because God is good all the time. Let's continue in the next verse, verse 19. Paul says, for I know that this will turn out for my deliverance through your prayers and the provision of the spirit of Jesus Christ. According to my earnest expectation and hope that I will not be put to shame in anything, but that with all boldness Christ will even now as always be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. And then Paul says, The next thing he says is kind of a a famous verse, so I want you to tune in. Verse 21, for me, Paul says, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. And then he explains that. Verse 22, but if I am to live on in the flesh, this will mean fruitful labor for me, and I do not know which to choose, but I am hard breasted from both directions, having the desire to to depart and be with Christ, for that is very much better, yet to remain on in the flesh is more necessary for your sake. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith. Wow, bad things happen, So what? I will rejoice. Why? Why? Because God is good all the time. Why rejoice? Because God is, he's in control and he loves us. God is in control and he loves us. We can rejoice in any circumstance. Why rejoice? Because God will give us what we need. Maybe not every want, but God will give us what we need. Why rejoice? Because God will never leave us. He will always be with us. Why rejoice? Because God wants us to grow and He will help us grow. And sometimes difficult situations make that happen in our life. Why rejoice? Because God wants us as believers to live with joy in spite of all circumstances. Now, I'm not saying that we don't have times of grief. I'm not saying that we never weep. We lose a loved one, something serious happens. Yeah, we experience grief. But even our grief, especially if we've lost a believer, there's joy in that. Hey, God wants us to live with joy. That's why we should rejoice. And why rejoice? Because everything's a win-win for believers. Every terrible thing, it's a win-win for us. It's either the worst thing that can happen is we get killed or, or we catch the virus and die and we're with Jesus for believers. What's the downside there? Or we remain And God has given us a purpose and a mission to impact people and point people to him. It's win-win. But it's win-win only for believers. It's not win-win for non-believers because when they die, there are no second chances and they are not with God. That's, That's why Paul lives the way he does That's why the people in the church of Philippi were helping Paul in his ministry. That's why people come together here at Grace because we have this news that we want to share with everyone, that we can be saved from the correct punishment for all of our sins and our rebellion against God, whether we know we're sinning and rebelling against him or not. There's a way to be saved from the right punishment for that. And that's through Jesus. And so that's why it's our business to share our faith. That's what we do corporately as a church. That's what we do individually as believers is to share with other people the good news that God loves you and God wants to be with you forever. And in spite of your sin, God has made a way A costly way. Through the torture and death of his son. And that's why Jesus came, right? He came to this earth. He he taught. He pointed people to God, but mainly he came to allow himself to be tortured to death by his own creation. To make a way that people like you and me could be saved. But we have to respond on God's terms. We have to respond the way God wants us to respond. We cannot just intellectually assent to Jesus's death and resurrection and say, yeah, good stuff, I love the story. We have to respond with belief. That's what Paul told the Philippian jailer. That's what I'm telling you today. And when I say belief beyond intellectual assent, it's that our belief means we are trusting in Jesus and only Jesus for our salvation. I say that only Jesus, because a lot of people think I'm not that bad. I work, I provide for my family. I'm a good citizen. I pay my taxes. You know, I'm a pretty good guy. I do good things. None of that gets you one step closer to heaven you got to understand that to become a believer. None of that gives you any credit with God, not one step closer to God, because that's what we're supposed to do, obey his law, what's right. We're supposed to do what's right. We don't get extra credit for doing what's right. But none of us could do it, not completely, none of us, except for Jesus. He came, lived the life we couldn't live, perfect without sin, and then died the death that we deserved, so we wouldn't have to. But you have to respond in faith. And the way you do that is you just cry out to God. It's as simple as ABC. Admit your sin, that you're not bringing anything to the table when it comes to salvation. You're bankrupt. It's just by his, it's a total gift. It's just by his grace. Everything is grace. It's all grace. It's all a gift. Admit your sin. Believe, that's put your trust in Christ and then commit to following him. Because it's actually, hey, if, if we pray that way to God, but we have no intention of following him with our life, you think God can't figure that out? That's not sincere. We know your prayer is sincere. God knows your trust is sincere. When you realize that God's given you everything, that you want to respond with your life in gratitude toward God and you want to know him better because of his love for you and you want to follow him because of what he's done. That's what it means to be a Christian. Admit, believe, commit your life to him. And I would encourage you to do that today. It's the most important thing Decision that you could ever make in your life and you could do it sitting in your living room right now by turning to God with a sincere heart and praying to him in your heart, don't even have to do it out loud admitting your sin, putting your trust in Jesus alone, nothing else with a desire to follow him with your life I'm going to pray in just a moment and our service is not over Aubrey's going to come out and lead another song but I think it's important that once somebody makes a decision like that that, that you tell somebody um, if you know another Christian that you tell them or maybe somebody on the other side of the living room that you know is a believer that you tell them or you can tell us or and you could tell us I mean, we'd love to hear it the way you could tell us is simply by texting our church phone number, which is 419-332-2623. Text that that number and just text your name. If you text your name, and, and only do that for one reason, only do that if as far as you know You're sincerely coming to God for salvation for the first time. And maybe you kind of think you've done that, but you've never experienced any change in your life. That probably wasn't salvation. You probably knew some good stuff and you liked it and you're okay with it, but you never really committed your life to Christ. Do that today. And again, we'd love to hear from you if you do. Text that number 419 332 2623 just to share that news for us. Don't get any points for texting. It's just letting us know we would love it if you did that. Let's pray together. Father God in heaven, uh, we thank you that you have loved us so much that even though we rebelled against you, sin against you, all of us have. Every single one of us. You still love us. And even though you are just, and so you, your character just demands that sin be punished, but you made a way to take the punishment on yourself so that we could enter into a relationship with you uncondemned and be with you forever. God, we thank you for that greatest gift that was made possible only through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. What a gift. And Father, for those who are listening now who who are not 100% sure they have a relationship with you, Lord, let them know they can be sure today just by covering those things and being sincere. And Father, for us as believers, Lord, as we turn to you today, Lord, help us realize that you've put us here for a reason. And in every circumstance, we have purpose. It has everything to do with growing towards you and pointing others to you. God, help us to accomplish that in the coming days. Lord, thank you. In Christ's name we pray.